If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA Podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA Podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 325 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Ronnie Drew of Irish MMA media, Graham MacDonald. As we talk about, you know, it was a pretty busy weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. Um, we're going to start off today with, with a couple of topics, maybe not uh, not get into the event straight away. I didn't talk a little bit about the, the Bellator PFL events that went down the last couple of days. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll throw it over to Shani Sheehan to finish it off with uh, a recap, uh, a quick one of the UFC. And we'll also look ahead before that to uh, to next week's cards. Before we do all of that, we must tell you that, you know, the Olympics have just finished. The Euros have just finished. The baseball is going to be coming back over in America. The major championships. Hopefully we'll have concerts back here but we know we have them all around the world but you know what isn't in fashion these days a wild and hairy bush tame your pubes uh with help from our friends at manscape the leaders in below the waist grooming their fourth generation performance package includes the brand new lawnmower 4.0 if an athlete treats their body like royalty why not treat your pubes like olympic gold fellas do right by your balls join the two million men worldwide who trust manscape by going to manscape.com and entering the prod prod promo code severe uh, mma myself and graham now have been using manscape for about a year and it's been absolutely fantastic we both got the 4.0 in and it's it's a huge uh it's a huge difference absolutely fantastic the world is starting to open up and that performance package 4.0 from manscaped is here to help you get ready inside you'll find the 4.0 trimmer as we just mentioned the lawnmower 4.0 the weed whacker uh for your ear and nose hair the crop preserver and reviver toner and two free gifts of the boxer briefs and the shed travel bag talk about a world class dismount into a post-quarantine world this package is the perfect package for your package and peak performance is whatever you desire the brand new lawnmower 4.0 is here to take the podium this fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology the 4.0 is a 7000 rpm motor on and off function to and engage uh, to engage travel lock and the 4000k led spotlight which goes on and off as well for a more precise shave did i mention it's waterproof michael phelps is probably drooling thinking about the possibilities this package also comes with the weed whacker so you can get rid of that nose and the ear hair as well it's 9000 rpm motor power 360 degree rotary blade system uh reduces nicks snags tugs and all of that and after trimming your pubes sodium 
what sportsmanship really feels like with the liquid formulations crop preserver and reviver ball toner so manscaped also throwing two free gifts in the uh, performance package uh, 4.0 uh, the boxers and the shed travel bag so get 20% off and free shipping with the code severemmanscaped.com that's 20% off and free shipping with the code severemma at manscaped.com achieve pubic gold with manscaped manscaped.com promo code severemma Right, Graham, let's, let's get into the, the mixed martial arts and talk about it first. Before we get into all these events and everything like that, uh, we discussed a little bit about Rory McDonald last week uh, and about mixed martial artists in general. And, you know, some people have called for maybe not Rory to retire, but, uh, you know, have said that he's maybe on the downslope of his career uh, and things like that. Now, you know, I, I discussed it on the Q&A a little bit, and we won't get into Rory specifically maybe again, but I think a little bit the game has changed slightly in that it's gone from more of, uh, you know... Uh Obviously, when MMA started, it was like a tough man's sport. You know, lads who could get into street fights were very good at it. And then it became the, the technique with the with the ground game and the jiu-jitsu. And, you know, Rory McDonald was one of the ones to start it off with a, a well-rounded martial arts game being needed. And then it became, like, the, the people like, say, John Jones and everything like that who could, like get the best out of their technique and just, you know, physical specimens as well. But I think now it's moved away a little bit again from just purely technique to, like, technique, heart, power, all of that, the physical with the technical as well. Um, and with that, right, all of those changes and very quick changes, like we, we we started off here talking a little bit about soccer. I was even watching a few hurling matches down through the year with Limerick uh, coming up in, in the final list uh, today, now when everyone will be listening to this. The way sport has, you know, adjusted and changed over years and years and years. But if you look at, say, a sport like soccer, it's 100 years or 150 years. And the same goes for hurling, and I'm sure American football is, I don't know, 50 or 60 years or whatever it might be, and all different sports. MMA is a very new sport. You know, in its... Uh, MMA only exists really, you know, from UFC 1. I know before that people talk about Muhammad Ali and all of that. But even from UFC 1, I don't think it was until, like, the very later UFCs that we see MMA like it is today. So, you know, it's, what is it, uh, almost coming up on 30 years now. It's probably closer to 20 years, maybe 25 years on this sort of iteration of MMA. And I feel like the changes in MMA happen so quickly and, uh, you know, maybe... And without us even realizing it, that people are kind of forced to make decisions on their career in terms of maybe even either big changes or stopping their career at all. And we have had this discussion before about you know when it's right for people to stop and when it's right for people to retire. And I'm not, I'm definitely not getting into a, a retirement debate because people absolutely hate that. But I was, I was talking to someone the other day, right? And you look at say someone like a Kyle Pindred, right, who had a v- you know, obviously when when you're connected to Conor McGregor and all that, there's a lot of talk about you and people are always, you know, same like Artem as well, kind of made him a meme and different things like that. And I, I, I that never sat well with me, but we leave that aside for a second. But if you look at Kyle's career, right, a tough guy, wrestler, you know, came from, um, came from rugby and was, you know, a really, really strong guy and got his way to the cage wire title, beating Shea Mills, got to the UFC, won a good few fights and then came against someone a Tom, like Tom Breeze and, you know, he got, you know, badly, badly beaten in that fight and then he retired. And, you know, it takes... It takes uh, something different, I think, for someone to kind of get to a stage like... 
okay, there, there's different sort of, sort of alleys, there's different sort of guys in this uh, right now. Do I need to be taking more of this damage? Do I need to put my, you know, brain on the line against this? I know I haven't talked to Kyle specifically about that, and I maybe would like to get his opinion on it someday. I'd love to have him on. But we rarely see that. You know, we very rarely see people walking away. We saw it with Cole Conrad as well. But my, my overall point is, right, will we be seeing more of people taking those decisions in, in mixed martial arts. We've seen them in different sports down through the years. And the NFL, I think, is a big one as well, where people, even in, in hurling, Joe Canning just kind of walked away there a couple of weeks ago. It's just all got too much for him. Do you think, Graham, we will see it more in MMA? Like, like the problem with MMA, I suppose, is these guys are are fighters and they're taught and taught and they, they train to never give up. But, like... Is is this something that like people will get bypassed more and more with more changes coming in the sport and I suppose more money coming into the top gyms in the sport as well that people just won't be able to keep up and we'll see people kind of getting bypassed and walking away. What, what, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know. I think it's it's going to remain the same where uh, unless people are very well paid and have a lot of a nest egg in their in their bank account, they're they're going to fight longer than maybe they should and you know until they have kind of you know um, some kind of insurance or some kind of nest egg as I mentioned I don't think it's going to happen I think these guys maybe sometimes think they're they're going to retire and then they, they look at their finances they find it hard to you know walk away from the gym that they've been in every day or for years and years and it's been everything to them because it really is everything it has to be everything to you to, to be a successful mixed martial artist like you really have to dedicate yourself to a fully uh, and like you know you mentioned Pendred he's a very <clears throat> Uh, rare exception to, to the rule of, of when guys retire like uh, relatively young you always think they'll come back but maybe with Pendred you, you kind of believed him because he, I think he his goal was to, to get to the UFC he kind of would tell you himself that he kind of knew he wasn't going to be a UFC champion I think um, so like when you've kind of achieved your goals and he, he kind of had other avenues like a bit of acting and stuff like that if, if you can find yourself something else to do and you know, you're happy with that, then, then it's great. But for most guys, 99% of guys, that isn't the case. Uh, you know, Carl Pendred wasn't in this game for as long as uh, most of these guys that were that were talking about retiring. You know, he he kind of got in and got out, and maybe with the rule changes, he got out at a very good time because maybe his style, you know, of, of wrestling wouldn't have scored as much, uh, nowhere near as much as it does now. So it'll be a lot harder for him to win fights now. So maybe that kind of puts off him coming back uh, in a way as well. If he if he did want to come back, but yeah. you know these guys have such such self belief in themselves that he probably back himself to come back and and win. You know because that's the mindset all of these guys have. I I, I think look yeah a hundred percent I I totally agree with that. I think it's interesting though like. MMA fighters and people watching MMA, I think, are become and, and you know maybe hardcore, maybe not outside of of the MMA bubble, but we're coming and becoming more. Um, uh, I, I don't want to use the word walk, but it, I suppose walk to what's happening in mixed martial arts. And you know the money being siphoned off by you know the UFC and a tiny percent of it, uh, percentage of it being actually given to the fighters. And you know even like Conor McGregor and John Jones and Chris Cyborg and all of them who had been very well paid down through the years are still getting hugely underpaid by the UFC. And you know a, a lot of the time we have. A situation where people are fighting to get to the UFC to get to that big money but then a lot of people kind of are talking about 
and and uh, you know i just mentioned cyber there she's one of these people who kind of talks about like well we wanted to i wanted to get there but now i kind of want to get out of there you know and i think that that talk and lots of fighters kind of saying that maybe something that up and coming fighters will kind of look at and look a lot of them will, will just totally ignore it and go i want to get to the ufc and that's that but i think a lot of them look at it as well and you know we've seen a lot of them in ireland even over the last while deciding to go to bellator instead of trying to go to the ufc route um and you know there's obviously more money in, in it that way in the, the start of your career and I, i'm just wondering if that will will kind of change things over the years with like the, the, the more information that people have and the and, and the, this specific information being about how fighters are so badly mistreated and the money. Like Misha Tay came out this week and said 98% of her uh, last pay packet was spent on her camp and her trainers and everything like that. She spins everything. And she, and she made the point as well I saw it this morning on Twitter that... You know, you could do it cheaper, but to be the best, like she's coming back in and she's on about calling out Amanda Nunes and all, to do it the right way, to get the right training partners in, to, you know, to pay for the right strength and conditioning and all, everything you need. You have to spend that amount of money. Um, and I think it, it lends to the point as well that you were making there a second ago. You know, you talked about Carl having, you know, he had, I, th- I think he had a the restaurant, didn't he? And he was doing acting and he has a degree and everything like that. And he was going to college when he kind of started MMA. And, you know, he has a backup. He has something else. A lot of people don't have it. I, mean, I always remember a great interview Neil Seary did with uh, with Andrew for Severe May uh, a few years ago. And he was kind of warning these fighters. And, and, you know, I think the Irish fighters maybe needed the warning because of the situation we were in at the time with Conor McGregor. And everyone thinking, oh, I'm going to be the next Conor McGregor. You're probably fucking not like, you know. And that, that doesn't go so far for Irish fighters. That goes for fighters all over the world. And Seary was kind of making the point, have something to fall back on have your your college degree or have your job or whatever it might uh you, you yeah. know you might need and i feel like a lot of people don't have that but i think in the future they might need to start thinking about those things yeah it was uh i think when neil siri was the story was neil siri was it was loads of new people coming into team rhino and neil siri was tell, taking them aside early in the the class and telling the new people you're never going to be conor mcgregor do you still want to train? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? If you think you're going to be Conor McGregor, that's not going to happen. You can leave now. <laughs> I do, so, I, like, that's yeah. what people need, though, isn't it? Really, it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, yeah, you know, this is um, this is a hard, hard sport. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that, that come into the sport and uh, 99.999% of them are, are never going to make anywhere near the money that even a, even a, Nate Diaz or uh, John Jones or even the level below Connor are going to make like it's just it's a, it's, it's it's a lot of work for a, and a lot of risk for you know a really small chance at a at being one of these really highly paid guys. Yeah. So people need to be realistic and need to need to know that uh, you know because you know it takes a it takes a toll on your body and your and your brain as well as taking a lot of time and dedication and effort. Mm-hmm. So you know you really need to kind of know what you're getting into. I wonder as well. Like, like I remember talking to T and Gary and before maybe two or three fights ago, and he was talking about you know. The, you know, we, we obviously had that interview where he said he didn't want to go to Bellator, he wants to go to the UFC and all. Obviously, that's worked out well uh, at, at this stage. And he was kind of saying, look, I'm, I think at the time he was 21, 22 years of age. You know, I'm living at home, I have no great expenses or anything like that. I can afford to do it the right way and get to the UFC and get uh, to... to you know to where i want to get to and you know if i do it in, in a, a couple of years i'll start making money then and it'll just be perfect you know 
And that's grand if you can do it that way. But I wonder will people be looking at it and say, all right, I'm, uh, you, you know, I'm 24, 25 years of age, you know, six, seven in my career or whatever it might be almost getting to the UFC how long am I going to give it even if you do get to the UFC even if you do get to Bellator I wonder will people and like you know people have done this before but say look I'm going to give it five years and see what happens and look if I'm after those five years I'm a top 15 ranked UFC fighter you know I've won you know eight of my last 10 fights or whatever might be absolutely keep going but if I'm not if I'm struggling to get to the UFC or if I've lost you know two in a row or whatever that's it or if I'm in the UFC and I've lost a few fights that's it this is not going to work out this is not going to happen for me all it's, and the problem with that is right if this was another sport if this was like you're a soccer player and you're you know you're playing for fucking Plymouth and you want to play for Man United or Liverpool you know you can keep playing away like that for a few years you can retire and then get something else the problem with MMA you're taking damage, you know, and the, the, the tougher fights you get, the tougher organizations you get, the, the bigger fights you have to take to get to where you want to get, the, the more chance of damage you're going to take. And, the, you know, you're probably not getting that much more money for it and it's not paying you and it's only taking away things for you. It's a, like, I feel like it's a sport where for years and years and years, we all we did was talk about fighters getting to the UFC and doing all they can to get there and, you know, trying to stay there as long as they can. I just wonder, and this is probably a thing that's maybe a few years down the line from now, but I just wonder, will people, um, t- will it be as much the be-all and end-all as it once was? I think it's already not, but the, with the way, you know, PFL giving out million-dollar contracts, like even Kayla Harrison. Maybe this is a good, actually, transition to, to get to Kayla Harrison and talk a little bit about her, because... Well. Well, I think if you, if, if you truly believe you can go all the way, which I think somebody like an Ian Gary does, he can go like all the way and he believes he can win a, like a UFC belt and make a lot of money, then, you know, the cage warriors route is a, is a, is a great route, is a great route. But if, if like, you know, if, how much do you think Reese Key made, made in the, Reese McKee made in the UFC? Probably, you know, probably 40 12 grand. grand. Less even, I'd say. Probably 12 grand for each of his fights, maybe 24. Yeah. Yeah, and how much did he pay for his camps and team? And you know, how much did he actually come out with? And like, you know, some of these guys in Bellator, without the the record and the achievements that Reese McKee have, can go to like a a Bellator or KSW and make make more money than that. So, yeah. you know, like if you truly believe in yourself, you can go the whole way. I think the UFC is is definitely the the, the route to go. But if if you're like a middle middle range guy, I don't think it is the way to go. But if if you look at say someone like a Corey Anderson. He was in the UFC. He was, you know, one fight away from a title fight. He won a good few fights in the UFC. And he said he went to Bellator and he earned more in one fight than he did in his whole UFC career. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure how true that is, but I, it's probably a large percentage of it. Like, Bellator played pretty well for, for guys like that. And even, you know, you saw, okay, he's not in Bellator anymore, but Kiefer Crosby got 50 grand for his last fight, it was reported. That's an unbelievable amount of money for someone, you know, with, what, 10, 11 fights who, you know, hasn't reached the rankings level yet. Like, so in the UFC... Up, if you add up, like, Reese McKee's last five Cage Warriors paydays and his two UFC paydays, it's probably around... 50 grand if probably even. less you know, you know, you know so yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's, it's mad. like and the, the Kayla Harrison point right I, I was thinking about it the other day like Kayla Harrison now she's into her I think it's her second PFL uh, final where she'll pick up another million dollars when she wins that fight we all know that why would you go to the UFC <laughs> you know why would you bother like okay if you want to be the best you want to prove you're well, the best she can build herself up to this this monster and this people who people people are gagging to see in the UFC and then you can make a lot of money. But are you like going to make Taylor the million? Harrison will probably, will probably at some stage come to the UFC, and she'll probably make a lot of money. She probably won't be making, you know, a million a fight or anything like that. Yeah. But 
you know, she'll make a lot more than, than most entry level uh, UFC fighters. Yeah, but the problem with that is like make more than most entry level UFCs. She's she's going, you know, she's going to UFC for a. But huge... you can make it. You can make a lot of money in P, in PFL and then go to UFC to prove yourself as the best. Yeah, you but know, like wh- if you if you think you can do that, why why would you? Like if you could keep if you could stay with the PFL and just pick up a million quid every year, like you're probably not going to earn a million quid from the UFC. But for some people, it's not. But it's, it's it's not all about the money. It is about like you know proving yourself as the best fighter. You know if she thinks she can go in there and beat whoever you know, whoever's on top when she comes, she she might want to do that even if it is you know less pay. Absolutely, just like, for legacy and, and uh, yeah. Yeah, but, but legacy doesn't put food to, on the table though. It does, and the yeah. thing about it is right. I, I and I agree with the argument you're making. I'm kind of I'm I'm not necessarily playing devil's advocate, but I'm playing maybe fucking fighters advocate here more than anything. Like, what do I want? I want uh, Kayla Harrison to go to the UFC and fight Amanda Nunes. Like, I want her to fight Chris Cyborg in Bellator. I want her to fight all these people. I would love to see her fight uh, Holly Holm and her. I love to get to see everybody paid well. Yeah, you know, uh, it'd be great if every, everybody who's actually you know bringing interest, bringing bringing eyeballs and selling tickets. People who are actually, you know, like it's understandable from Dana's point of view, you know, for these lower level fighters, he thinks, or the UFC think, the UFC brass think, you know, they're not selling any tickets. We could bring any old guy in here. You kind of have to prove yourself. But once you've proven yourself, there should be a much bigger step up in, yeah, in money. There really should be. But like, I, I you know, yeah, we, but, we talked about Messi there the last day and we talked about like, uh, in the in the podcast we did we did with Ken over on Patreon, Patreon the podcast if you're my podcast. And you know, he's earned so much money in his career. He could literally go anywhere and do anything and prove anything he wanted. You know, if he wanted to prove himself in the Premier League, he could do that. We won't get into that debate. But for Kayla Harrison, she's earned two million quid, you know, so far. And she has you know, the second one is coming up and probably maybe another few hundred grand onto it with her fight purses and stuff like that. Like Kayla Harrison is not someone who is unbelievably wealthy or like, you know, two million in the bank is two million in the bank. Absolutely, we'll never have that. But I mean, she could do this for another five years and get another five million and go, thanks for the cheese, good luck. Like, I I definitely get the, the point about going and going to prove yourself and everything like that. But if you're going to prove yourself and you're, you know, you've three squash matches a year, basically training sessions, not even sparring matches, are they? She's not getting touched and just destroying these people and picking up a million quid. Why would you put yourself into a fight against Amanda Nunes? Maybe for 500 grand, if, and that would be a lot, you know? That would be a lot if she got that for for that fight. Why would you do it? I, I, I like from from if it was me, if it was anyone listening to this, why would you go to another job that's much harder for half the pay? <laughs> you know, it's I, I honestly, and I think that's why Bellator are getting a lot of these fighters. But you still the the thing about it. Look, the UFC, we we can't hide away from it. It's still those three letters. It's still the place everyone wants to go. You saw Michael Chandler talking about it. it's like, oh, uh, people. You'd ask him what he did, and he says he's an MMA fighter, and they're like, oh, you're a UFC fighter, and he'd have to go, well, you know, no, I'm I'm not. And that, you know, these fighters are very. They have a lot of pride, and they have uh, they they want to be that, and they want to be the very best. And I feel like you you do have to go there to prove you are the very best, even if it's not always the case, and especially in 145 on division okay aside from Nunes the best are probably outside of the UFC but um look I think it's I think it's an interesting debate and I think it's very interesting to watch Kayla Harrison over the next few years to see what she actually does because we all want to see her tested we all want to see her in big fights but if I, I find it very hard to put myself in Kayla Harrison's shoes and in terms of purely just money and say that I'm going to leave this easy million quid every year
You know, I, I find that very hard. But well, what what would you have done in Reese McKee's position then? Would you've gone back to cage wires, or would you've would you've looked for the bigger payday? I, I, I look. I, I think Reese McKee. And it's an interesting one. Obviously, Reese McGee has announced there the other day that he is going to Cage Warriors and he's coming back that way. Um, I like we, we, I, I, okay, I'll answer that question in a second. But we talked about Paul Redman before, right? Uh, before he had signed for anyone, then he signed for Cage Warriors. And I'd say someone like a Paul Redmond, a Norman Park, who have been fighting for like a good few years, who have been in the UFC, been in Bellator, like I think somewhere like a Brave or a, a KSW or somewhere like that who would pay. A little bit more than, or a lot more even than than the Cage Warriors route, maybe. And I don't know these uh, exact pay packages, so you know maybe Graham Byler and Ian Dean come on, guy. I don't know what I'm talking about, and you know they're probably right. But look, a lot of fighters have spoken before and said the amount of money they're getting in certain promotions is a lot more than other ones. And I think at that point of their career, where you know then then are in their prime they need big fights for bigger money right now i think that'd be the route for them to go for reese i look reese got to the ufc a little bit too early i think we all know that reese would probably said that himself and and look the matchmaking didn't help he could have got to the ufc too early had three good matchmaking fights and then it wouldn't be too early anymore you know i think that's how close it was so i think reese getting back to cage warriors after having you know those we, we spoke about it before as well that that extra little bit of money from from the ufc and i know we talked just there a minute ago it wouldn't be too much but maybe it's enough to put two or three camps together or be able to fly out to america for a little bit more training and stuff like that for for a few months and, and improve that game uh when he comes back to, to have his camps didn't get into cage warriors you know that that belt is wide open now after ian gary's left have a couple of fights win that belt and get back to the ufc like that's a very good route for someone like Reese, who is still young, who is very, very good, and you know who the UFC know and obviously like, but it just didn't go that well the first time. Um, also, the big issue as but well. He could, is, he could hop into. Do you think he maybe he could go to PFL and you know do maybe, okay yeah. in, in the turn, do pretty well in a tournament there? Like, yeah. like Miles Price the last day when he talked to Tino O'Neill uh, over in Severe Man on our YouTube, he said that. Like he said, like I've look, I've had a lot of fights. I'm in my prime now. If I came back, I would love to go to somewhere like PFL. You know, and get that big shot and get the shot at the million quid. And like Brendan Lachnan seems to be very happy. He's fighting next week. We'll talk about it in a, in a second. Um, that is the route. But like, I think that route is more for someone who are in their prime. Like are, have had the big fights in the UFC or to get to the UFC. And okay, Reese has that. But I think, you know, he's still very young in his career. It's not like a Lachnan who was struggling for like four and five years to just get that opportunity. Like Reese was still building his way to the opportunity when he got it. Now he's to build it back again. You know, and and you know, I I think he's still young in his career. As I said, the, the other lads I mentioned are all like, what what way would you have gone? Do you think he should have gone the PFL or the other? Don't say no. He should go the lightweight because he'll come on and absolutely kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should have. He should have went to Cage Warriors a lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. No. I think. I think. He, I think Cage Warriors is, as you said, he's he's still young. He can still, you know, make another run at the UFC. It obviously, didn't go well, but you know, if you looked at the matchups coming in, you you could see that coming. You know, it's an extremely difficult debut against Shimaev. Uh, you know. Uh, it's just like basically uh, he's, he was fed to the wolves there you know and he obviously probably doesn't doesn't feel good about that and wants to wants to make another run at the UFC and kind of show his proper self in the UFC so he probably thinks you know get a couple of fights in Cage Warriors get my title my Cage Warriors title back and you know once the UFC comes to to Ireland or Northern Ireland or even the UK he could, he could get back on one of those cards so I think for him it 
probably was the right the right decision to go back to cage warriors. Yeah, and I think like I'm not sure what the crack is with the the cage warriors welterweight belt, but like I'd love to see him versus Matt Figlak for that belt. I think that's you know because when you're in the UFC as well, you can't come back and fight some fucking schlub in in cage warriors either. You know you have to have a, a big fight. Like look at Paul Redman came back and he was matched to fight Mehdi Bin Lakdar. What a fucking fight that was. Unfortunately, there was injuries or, or whatever might have been and that didn't happen. But I'm sure if he comes back in the next trilogy, he'd be in a big fight as well. And I feel that Figlak fight. What a fight that would be! I would, I absolutely love to see that fight. But um, yeah, look, I, sp- I suppose it's it's a wider debate. I'm glad to see to see Reese back, uh, and uh, I I think the Cage Warriors route is the right route for for someone like Reese. And um, you know, I, I honestly I'd be surprised if Reese didn't have a good run in, in Cage Warriors and ended up back in the UFC because he's a very very good fighter. Um, and that experience of being in the UFC I think will stand to him. We look, we've seen him with other fighters, and they're like uh, sometimes right. If you get to your, if you're at your very best and you're at your your prime and you get to the UFC and it doesn't work out for you, it's very hard to get back. But sometimes, you know, when you get there a little bit too early or you're younger and you get like that second, uh, you know, that that second chance at it, that second chance to rebuild yourself and the second chance to get there, it can, I think, it can work out for the better. We've seen it, you know, but like, even like a guy like a Tim Elliott, or, there's probably hundreds of guys you're thinking of. What we don't see as much is the likes of, say, a Robbie Lawler or an Andre Arlovsky who are very good, young, do a good work in the UFC, get out of the UFC, and are gone for a few years and then come back, you know, and, you know, have basically a whole career outside of the UFC and come back. So I don't think Reese is in that situation. He's in a situation, you know, like those uh, Tim Elliott and other guys I mentioned there. Like, I'm sure there's lots of guys. It's just no one coming to mind at the moment. But say, say like, even like a Charles Oliveira who... Uh, he didn't go out of the UFC, I don't think, but, like, he, he won his first nine, ten fights or whatever and then, like, lost eight of the next 16 and now is, you know, a champion. There's... That... that that is something that that is uh you know that is more rare in the UFC, but um you know I'm I'm glad to see Reese back and I'm looking forward to see uh seeing what he he can do in his uh in his next iteration in the uh in the Cage Warriors uh cage uh right let's have a quick look at the cards so uh we're not gonna go over these in in mad detail at all um as I said Kayla Harrison we mentioned her earlier on she beat uh. <laughs> Gina Fabian, I don't want to pronounce it wrongly or I'll get absolutely killed. Uh, look, took her down, beat her up, ground upon him. Number in three ranked uh, woman in, in, in the world, apparently. Is she in what <laughs> rankings is this? Is this topology? In PFL. Or? On PFL, in well. PFL, yeah. No, number three in the... Uh, in the four people who are in the the semi-finals you mean that i think that's what it was <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's actually what it is <laughs> um um it look it's, it's interesting when you look yeah, at yeah she she crushed that can very well did. well i wouldn't call her a can necessarily i don't i don't think she's that bad but compared to kayla harrison everyone is is just a, a completely uh completely lower level like she's she's so good kayla like she's she's a good on the mic and what actually i don't know if you saw it but like did you see the the pre-fight and and i made i did a podcast about this over on patreon but i wanted to mention it here as well the pre-fight press conference um this so uh kayla and uh um janae were on it and uh, this reporter came on and asked the question and in that question he asked about uh janae's looks and he called her gina and Kayla Harrison like took exception to it, saying, "If you would you have talked about, you know, would you have said this to a man? Would you have talked about their looks and things like that?" And then the clips started coming out of that exact same reporter 
three or four times before asking other really stupid questions not necessarily as maybe inappropriate but just ridiculous questions and a lot of people are saying look this is MMA media this is awful how you know this this media member who is it it's an absolute joke and everything like that fair absolutely fair enough to about that but my thing should is should saying who, who, who are these PR teams that exactly. are letting this, this guy <laughs> repeatedly ask these moronic questions exactly how can you stand by your a PR team who allows this person onto the call? Like, there is no way. And that's always been the, the first time, okay, you're giving some guy a chance yeah. and he starts asking stupid questions off, oh, fair enough, okay. Maybe give him a warning, a second chance or whatever if you really want to, but that's it. Like, you know, you, if you repeatedly bring people like this on to your to your media calls, this is this is what's going to happen. Like, yeah. it, it's your own fault. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, I think there's a place as well if you, you know, if you say like uh, Barstool Sports, something like that, who are kind of half comedy, half sports and stuff, there's absolutely a place for that. But if it's, this is a media call and this person is acting like a real media member and they're not. And the PR keep letting him on. That's on the PR. That's not in the MMA media. This guy has nothing got to do with MMA media. So I think maybe that's the thing that people in the media might, might see and say more than people outside of the media. But that was my first thought when I saw it. And I thought it was, you know, and I, I like the people over there. I think the people at the, uh, the Bellator or at the PFL um, in their PR are very, very good. And any demons I've had them have been fantastic. But I, I think it's a big problem. Look, a problem with that is they're probably struggling to get people to come on the calls. You know, I've gone on to one or two of them and I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. Like, and I think a lot of people aren't and they're probably struggling for people. But I don't, I think you'd be better off if five people apply for it and only three of them legit set up interviews with those three people have uh, you know the the main event or sit there for a, an hour and do their hour of media 20 minutes each you know that's not going to kill anyone on a and on a tuesday a fight week or something when they're sitting in a hotel and doing nothing else i think that's the, the way to because go even it. like the uh, a real journalist who has a really interesting question for somebody isn't going to want to say that on like yeah. an open media call where everybody can just make a story out of it before they even finish the call yeah you're going to want to ask that privately so you're going to get you're probably most likely going to get better interviews if you do it with hand-picked people who you know actually have legitimate credentials and have a a history of asking non-moronic questions yeah exactly and look we had the thing as well with paddy pimblett pretty uh, simple really (laughs) it is we had the thing with paddy pimblett and uh i think marcel darf who uh reported that paddy was out of the fight and you know paddy came in and obviously yeah this isn't the first time either you know the the people like fair enough you can make a mistake but you got to learn from it if you don't learn from it then you just your information just your articles can't be trusted and that's just how it is yeah and look i think he has done some good stuff down through the years but i've Look, I talked about it before on on um, uh, on the, the news show I do over on over on Patreon. But like, I, maybe you'd be a better to talk about this than me. But when we've been reporting fights down through the years, not even not even us reporting fights, but putting up reports from other people about fights that are reported, we very rarely put up reports uh, from anyone unless it's from the promotion or from Ariel, you know, or or maybe even Brett Akabota now over the last few years. It's very, very rare we do it. We have a very, very stringent, um, you know, way of putting these things in the well, website. Well, you know, it's better to be, mm-hmm. it's better not to be first than to be yeah. first and wrong. Like, and, and, you know, nobody respects you. Okay, you're first, great. If you get the story, if you get the story, you get the scoop, great, fair play to you. Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody links to you, great. You, you did it, but, you know, if you do this one or two times, people are going to, like, us are going to be talking about you yeah. and now you can't be trusted on, and basically, like, you know, your your articles need to be trusted, or you're not you're not you're, you're not going to go anywhere in in, in the MMA industry. It's yeah. just and simple that, as that, really. And 
that and look in fairness i think there was a big misunderstanding here but as he said himself he should have double checked and she did he run with it too quick yes when you say you're running with it too quick you're making a mistake there and that is bad now i don't want like i think he's a good reporter and i don't want to be too harsh on him but i think mma reporters have maybe been too kind to him over the last while like what i talked about there a second ago was reporting fights basically are putting um articles on the website we don't do it as much anymore but when we used to it was from other people reporting it if we're reporting it ourselves it is unbelievably difficult to do things like that like as you know i, I got mentioned off for patreon we're uh, we're we're we could be reporting a fight at the moment a big fight and we're holding back because we're not a hundred percent right there with it yet so like i wish i could report it you wish you could report it Graham. you wish you could put it up there but it's just not a hundred percent there yet and like i've had loads of fights like that over uh, over the year well maybe not loads i don't go out and i'm not a reporter trying to report all these fights but there have been fights that we know are happening are right there to be reported and we're just waiting on something and then someone else reports it but i would be i'd rather do that than report it and then the fight is just not happening or we have something like this happen where someone comes and calls us out and calls us absolutely useless you have to be very 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 careful and very stringent with these reportings i think or you make yourself look bad and unfortunately you can even you can even put out an article and kind of cover your ass and be like uh you know, multiple reports, uh, something in the works, you know, you can kind of cover yourself if you really want to, but it's kind of a non-story then. You, you, you want to wait until you actually have the information, like, you know, oh, end of the year, you want to go find out when the date is, when the event is, you know, you can kind of go out with a half a half-baked story if you want, but, like, who wants to read a half-baked story? Yeah, that is true, that is true. Um, Alright, so elsewhere in PFL, there, was, there really wasn't much. Um, Capeloza won his fight against Jamal Jones. Uh, Guardado won to, to face uh, Kayla Harrison in the final. And uh, Ante Deleja won as well to uh, get into the final of the heavyweights there. Hinan uh, Fahea had a good uh, win, a big knockout. And there was other people on that card as well. Fair play to him. Congrats to everyone involved there. Um, the Bellator card that went down on Friday night... You know, nothing really stand out here apart from the main event. Well, uh, yeah, the main well, event. The main like, event was brilliant. Yeah, it was a good fight. And I thought that he actually tapped when the time had expired. Did, did you? I thought it was ta- so he was tapping like on the actually, bell, kind of. His hand was in the air at one second, but at the time he actually tapped, time has expired. Right, so I've paused the podcast at this stage. I went back and watched it. I, I don't know. I feel the bell like... hasn't gone yet, but the, the the time is at zero. So I don't know. Like, do you yeah. have to wait till the does does the guy wait till after zero to ring the bell? It's it's it is the bell though. You can't go by the clock on screen. Like that clock on screen is the Bellator clock. That's not the commission clock. That's not the the fight clock. Like if this happened in a fucking you know in 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 a, a fight with no commission or no uh, TV cameras or no commentators there, if he taps before the bell, the fight's over and that's that. It's you know it's nothing got to do with the time yeah, on screen. Yeah, true. It? It's true. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but maybe, <laughs> maybe you know maybe if, if, if we if if we look back. <laughs> Yeah. If we look back at the fight, wind back five minutes, is this an extra long round that allowed Czech Congo to get the win by a second? <laughs> I don't know. Get out so to we can investigate for a physical conspiracy <laughs> against Haritanov here. Get, get, <laughs> extra get, long rounds when he's in trouble. Sounds like something would happen to Man United. Get the, die, that, no. get the stopwatch out and we'll, uh, we'll see. But uh, Look, overall, anyway, like I was expecting this fight to be rubbish. I won't lie at all to you. Uh, Haritanov came out. I thought he, yeah, I it thought was he way was... better, way better. Like yeah. if Maybe because it was way better than we expected, we wanted it to go on longer and that's why... Uh, 
Yeah. We're hoping Haritano was able to make it to the bell. It became like a tired MMA fight, but it was it became almost more fun the more tired they got. Like I thought, Haritano those little was, tiny punches from from Congo <laughs> were so yeah. tired right before he was, he was <laughs> absolutely erect. But like the jabbing from both guys in the first round, I thought was absolutely fantastic, and they were calling them more for Congo. But I thought Haritano landed a lot as well. But Congo's ones were definitely having more of an impact early in the round. But then, like Congo for some reason, and he's done this before as well. Even the, like that Pat Barry fight. Uh, which we obviously uh, we all remember. He, he always feels like he's falling over. <laughs> Jack Congo. He's just he's a bit too gangly or something for uh, for MMA, and he's always like tripping and falling. He gets jabbed, and like okay, that jab definitely dropped him. But I feel like he was kind of going over anyway. He's like you know uh, Luis Suarez back in the day, gone gone down. Okay, he got taken down, but he was on the way down before he got taken down. But. Um, yeah, it was a very good round, I thought, for, for Haritano. He looked brilliant, looked in phenomenal shape as well. I think uh, Grabaka Hitman pointed that out. Looked really good, and look, Congo always looks in phenomenal shape. He think he's 46 years of age now as well, which is absolutely crazy. But um, uh, Congo, in the start of the f- second round... Uh, look, Congo was almost finished at the start of the first round because he got a toe to the eye, and then he turned these back away, and he's like, oh, Jesus, is Congo giving up here? Or what's what's the, the crack? But no, he didn't, and he, and he came back... Uh, in the, the start of the second round, he was kind of getting almost knocked down again, and um, Haritanov, I thought, was was walking it there at one stage, but then Congo just, you know, went full Pat Barry again on it, and uh, came back and started landing these big shots and pushing Haritanov back, and then I was like, oh, Congo's going to finish him, and then they both kind of got tired, and they were both landing shots, but uh, when Congo got the fight to the ground, you know, it was, it was one of those ones where, on the feet, you were, you were thinking like, for Haritanov, let him take you down almost because Congo is the sort of guy who will like lay on top of you and try to get his win back. But he didn't this time, you know. Even those small shots you were saying, Graham, I, I assume they hurt a lot. I would like to be taking them myself. I did. Uh, he got in the rear naked choke to, to finish it, literally at like four fifty nine point nine nine nine. An absolutely fantastic fight, and uh, it's great to see. Like Congo, it, sometimes I remember tweeting it before. Sometimes in MMA, we get guys and they have this. Um, they have this uh, reputation. So Congo's reputation over the last few years is boring. You know, boring fighter. And then and they have Styler, these... And yeah. nearing people in the balls and yeah. poking them in the eyes. But and then they have these fights. Like, Congo versus Barry, one of the most exciting fights of all time. This fight, really exciting. Like, Brock Lesnar always had the... Um, had the reputation for not being able to take a punch but him against Shane Carwin he probably took more damage than anyone took in a UFC fight ever and still ended up coming back winning you know those things happen sometimes in uh, in MMA well there you go uh, and uh, this is one for Congo as well I thought it was I thought it was absolutely fantastic and great to see uh, great to see Czech coming back with a, with a big win at 46 years of age 20 years since his la- uh, since his first win by submission he gets his fourth I believe in this one so Absolutely fantastic stuff altogether by Czech Congo. Uh, yeah, have you something to say there, Graham? I was just going to try to fit in however somewhere. Oh, no. but, uh... <laughs> I almost said it in the middle there. I, I like stop myself. But I'm not. people have taught me not to stop doing it, so I'm going to continue doing it because apparently people uh, people like it. Uh, right, let's. Um, I will throw it over to myself in a minute, but there's a couple of cards coming up next week as well. Invicta are back. I think this is their first pay-per-view, if I'm not mistaken. I I think I will tweet it out during the week, but I, I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube around these parts, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, you... I hope it's cheap for their sake or yeah. them numbers are going to be atrocious. But Invicta as well, you know, some, I hate pay-per-view a lot of the time, but Invicta I would love to support them because they're like, 
we need an Invicta. You know, we really do need an Invicta to, to produce women's MMA fighters. Like, if Cage Warrior was on pay-per-view, I'd probably pay it as well because we need a Cage Warrior to produce the next, uh, you know, the next era of fighters. Like, something like a Bellator or the UFC, I would be more, uh, I'm like, well, I don't want to fucking, you have enough money already, lads, you know, but I, I, I would love to support them and I would encourage anyone to buy this if it is for sale here. I'm not 100% sure, but, um, look, they have the £115 title and the £135 title up for grabs. Uh, Emily Ducoche again, Daniel Taylor for the uh, f- um, strawweight title and the bantamweight title uh, as Lisa Verosa against uh, Tanisha Tennant um, and then there's, there's a good few fights on it as well so I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing this Katie Saul is on it as well actually SBG Ireland Katie Saul um, you know she's 3-4 and four in her career so she's a big fight there against uh, Monique Arden looking forward to her and I believe uh, her uh, her partner Brad Gatona is fighting is it this weekend or next weekend too as well I, I think it's this weekend so um, there's um, you know a big weekend for uh, for that couple and for SVG Ireland as well so you know Jody Esquibel is on this card against um, Liz Tracy so you know um, lots of the, the next era of women's MMA stars and they saw tune in to that one then in the uh, PFL next week we have Brendan Lachnan obviously in the big fight uh, against Movlid uh, Kabulov you know yeah that's a tough fight, tough fight how, yeah. how do you see that one going this is obviously an undefeated guy has one draw on his record Lachnan's obviously looked looked phenomenal recently been on a streak himself it's it's a tough one to call here it's a tough fight for both guys I think yeah it is like Lachnan is, is he's at the stage for his career now where you know, he is, he needs to be winning these fights. You know, he needs to be getting, if he's going to be that great fighter, he, he needs to get there. And like, if you look at uh, Kabulo's record, obviously, you know, with, with a name like that, you know what he's going to be. He's going to be a strong wrestler, but technical everywhere. And he's, you know, six knockouts, two submissions, nine decisions on his record. And his yeah. last few he fights, seems you know, to be a, bit, a bit more, a bit more happy to strike than yeah. maybe, uh, maybe you know somebody with his wrestling maybe should be yeah. <laughs> but it's worked very well from obviously still undefeated but maybe you know that could be what gets him into trouble in this fight but you know maybe the, the game plan will be just to to get takedowns often and early i think lachnan's style though is good for you know against a fighter like this like he's he's fought lots of people who can you know fight uh wrestle very well and, and uh and uh strike very well as well like i think it's going to be more of a at maybe a technical matchup and a more of an even matchup than Lachnan's last few fights. He's he, not not necessarily, especially his last fight didn't win that easily. But I think he's a level above. Um, whereas this one, like he's going to have to prove he's a level above. I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a solid solid fight. And this one, I'm I'm really really looking forward to. You know, I I, I believe in Lachnan. I think. I think he's improved an awful lot over the last few years. Like I I I always thought Lachnan was a good fighter, but I I was a little bit further away from calling him like the a possible UFC ranked guy you know like a lot of people were but I think I've kind of changed my mind on that now I think and look win or lose here it doesn't matter I think I think he is that quality I think he is a very 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 good fighter and uh look I'm really looking forward to, to seeing this there's a couple of good fights on this card actually Chris Wade against Bubba Jenkins uh in the co-main event as well the winner that'll be fighting the winner of the main event uh Emiliano Sardi against uh Shoeface Antonio Carlos Jr in the 205 tournament, uh, Cesar Fajaya is fighting uh, Martin Nielsen in that one as well. You know, Shaman Morais is on this card. Chris Camozzi, the legend, is on this card as well. What about Bobby Anthony Moffat Dizzy, versus Jason yeah, Knight? Jason Jeez. Knight, yeah, yeah. That should be that should be a good fight. Yeah, very, Jason very Knight, good. obviously, you know, uh, was off uh, bare knuckle yeah. fighting. So 
it'd be interesting to see if he can, you know, <laughs> how damaged he is from 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 that. You know, it's mm-hmm. brutal, brutal uh, sport. Bare knuckle, bare knuckle boxing. So, yeah, obviously, um, it's a bit strange to see him so far down the card uh, against Bobby Moffat. I thought he would have been a little higher, but if you, as you look up the card, there is some, there is some good fighters on the card there. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Chris Camozzi's kind of a bit. There's a bit of a joke, a running joke there, but uh, you know, if you look at that card. PFL have come a long way in the last few years you know mm. they have some really good fighters and some really good matchups and the tournaments worked out really well for them when historically tournaments are disastrous in MMA yeah. uh, most of the time so you know credit to PFL they've, they've done a lot of good things over the last few years I, I think their big issue is the playoffs really aren't standing out maybe as much as they should have because they don't and, and this card is maybe a little bit different because there are a few good few names on this but the fact that Pettis is not there the fact that Verdum is not there the fact that Rory is gone now it's you know it's the playoffs haven't been as great for them but I think as, as you you know you made a good point there this card is a little bit different and definitely credit to them look they're doing it the sporting way and it's not, not always as easy myself and Ian were talking about it at the Chelsea pack this week that maybe like could you have got a Pettis on the undercard of one of this and get him maybe as an alternate or something you know that even at welterweight or, or at 155 he could step oh, back in and appeal in the hallway outside yeah. the hotel room next thing <laughs> yeah, Pettis yeah, is yeah. in the main event yeah, yeah it'd be probably the way to go but uh, yeah look I agree I, I think Look, I think PFL definitely need to adjust things, but I think they're going in a right direction fight-wise. I don't, I think all this production and stuff, it's some of it's just too much. But um, I like that they're trying things, and I definitely have time for PFL. I watched all the PFL cards this year, I think. Uh, so, uh, yeah, fair play to them, and they're, they're, doing, they're doing good stuff. Uh, the big UFC card as well next week then is uh, Edson Barboza versus Jiga Chikadze. Yeah, this is some fight. What a fight this Ooh. is. God Almighty! There's like I see, put the children I see to bed early. Pick him <laughs> with with Edson a slight underdog. I'd have him as a slight favorite here. I think his quality of opposition has obviously been a lot higher for a lot of years. And I think uh, I think I always say this every time every time he fights that uh, he's underweight underrated as a well rounded fighter. People just kind of see him as a striker, and if and if he gets taken down, it's all over. But that just just isn't the case anymore at all. Yeah, some very good wins like you, your boy Anthony Pettis, you were just mentioning Gil Melendez, Darius Hooker, um, Americani, Burgos. Obviously, he's got some losses in there against Habib and Kevin Lee, Gaethje, Felder. You know, some very stiff competition there, but uh, you know, he, he's looking good at this weight, and I, I expect him to get the job done here. Yeah, um, do you? I, I think I, maybe I think you, know, you, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't like. I think it's a very difficult fight, but maybe it's a little bit too soon to be, you know, facing somebody like Barboza, who's, you know, kind of. I wouldn't say he's the best he's ever been, but he's he's close to the top of his game at least. Mm-hmm. I think the thing about Chikadze is like. Okay, he's a well-rounded fighter, but I, I think he's at his best when he is like standing across from people and fighting like a kickboxer back with him. And doing that with Barboza is a very fucking risky thing to do, so maybe he will change it up and, and try to wrestle a bit more and, and stuff like this. But I, ju- I hope he It's not he easy to wrestle Barboza it's anymore, not, though. No, you're right, just, yeah, yeah, absolutely, but... It's a great fight. It is actually a fantastic fight. Like I, I believe in Chikadze's ability. I think he's a very, very good fighter. But like I wouldn't. Uh, I don't have a strong feeling on who's going to win this. To be honest, this is one of those fights where I'm not really. I'm not really looking at it as a breakdown of a fight. I'm not really looking at it as who's going to win or lose. I'm just looking at it as one I'm really going to enjoy. And you know, staying up late to watch this is uh, is going to be worth it. Honestly, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be really good. But um, the other card. Uh, 
there's I believe there are the tough finales on this. I haven't watched. Have you watched any of tough? I haven't watched a second. No, of it. I saw one knockout. Uh, clip from Gilbert Urbina yeah. so, but that's literally the extent of the season of tough I've seen so yeah, I, I I've just, seen about five seconds of it so uh, I know a little bit more about one of the guys <laughs> because I know nothing about Brian Battle whatsoever No, they, I, I think someone got injured and there's a replacement here I have no idea like there's too much MMA these days I cannot give another couple of hours of my life every week to MMA it's just not if they, if, not if they did the ultimate fighter with an actual like proper like stalwarts or legends of the UFC a kind of return season like they did with Matt yeah. and stuff before that that could work but this 5 and 1 guys against 6 and 1 guys mm-hmm. and 3 and 0 against 2 and 1 like ain't nobody got time for this no the only way I'd watch it is let, let's say Kiefer Crosby gets signed for the next season then I'd watch you know but I'm not watching these random American fighters just and I'm sure look the people over in America like if this was fucking random UK and Irish fighters we'd absolutely fucking love it it'd be fantastic but yeah it's just no but just the Americans don't don't have that kind of you know there's so many American no, fighters they don't, they don't have that loyalty towards their yeah. their their national fighters yeah, that is true. So the 185 pound title of Tough is up for grabs, as is the 135 pounder Ricky Turquoise against Brad Heistead. Uh So yeah, look, look, I'm looking forward to seeing what the next level of fighter coming up is, is looking like, and they could be good fights. So hopefully, the, the problem with these is, and the last few seasons of Tough, which Norman has been watching, is you get to the co-main event, and there's this t- fight against like two guys who probably should be on the early prelims, who nobody knows. Uh, apart from like the seven people who watched Tough this year, and it's like, oh, that's a bit of a stretch. And like this card throughout it is a bit of a stretch, apart from the main event. Like Kevin Lee was supposed to fight Sean Brady, if I'm not mistaken, in this card, yeah. But uh, Sean Brady is obviously out, and he's fighting Daniel Rodriguez, which you know is a good fight. But up at 170, that might be an issue for for uh, for Kevin Lee against Rodriguez. He's a good fighter, but I, I would favor Kevin Lee in that one. Gerald Marshart is fighting uh, Mukad Muradov uh, as well, and then. Honestly, there's a load of lads I never heard of. The Dustin Jacoby versus Darren Stewart. Someone's probably getting knocked out in that one. Sal Malvi's probably going to walk around the cage and then lose to Wellington Torman. Uh, Abdul Razak Al is always in fun fights. He's fighting Braganetto, which mightn't be bad. Uh, JJ Aldrich actually is coming in on this card as well. So uh, that might be bad. But um, yeah, Mana Martinez versus Guida Canetti as well. But uh, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing hugely standing out there, to be honest, apart from the. Uh, the main event, but sure, look. However, we will uh, we will watch it and we will tune into it anyway. Right, um, we will leave it at that for next week and for most of this week. But I will hand it over now to my good friend, the legend, the sexy bastard himself, Sean Sheehan, to take you through the UFC event: Gaslam versus Cannonier. Take it away, Shani. Thank you very much, Johnny. Good man, fair play to you. So it's here. I'm I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just before the main event here, but I'm going to run through the rest of the card. Uh, I'm going to watch the main event, and then I'll pop back on again. But it was a pretty eventful card to start off with. Um, the main card so far hasn't been great, but uh, we'll see how the main event goes in a second. But uh, there were some unbelievable knockouts on this card. Uh, it started off with... Uh, 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 Razim Brahimov getting a, a rear naked choke against uh, Sasha Platnikov uh, with an unbelievable spinning wheel kick KO for Ignacio uh, uh, Bahamundes, Bahamundes, there you go, that's it, against the 37th President of the United States of America, Roosevelt Roberts. And that was, it was, it was a pretty good fight. I thought Roberts started off okay. 
But then Bahamunda is just kind of short his class. I thought he was uh, really good in that. I think I thought he performed well. Threw a, a spinning wheel kick to the uh, to the inside of the calf at one stage. So absolutely, uh, absolutely fantastic stuff there. Reminded me a bit of Wonder by the finish. So very, very good stuff. Then William Knight came out against uh, Fabio Charon, and uh, this was a, a very unique fight. Like Charon kept throwing a lot of shots, and uh, Knight was kind of like du- no, no, well, ducking is the wrong word, but kind of pulling his head backwards, which you know I talked about before on the podcast, uh, and it is a um, it is a method of defense which actually f- maybe fighters don't use enough, but there are I suppose reasons for it. But if you use them the right way, it can benefit you, and it certainly did. With, with Knight here, I think he kind of knew that Charant was not going to try to take him down in that sort of position or push him back against the cage. He was trying to land one shot or a combination, and Knight was quick enough and athletic enough to get out the way. And I think he kind of used that to his advantage when he saw um, Charant coming in up against the cage towards the uh, towards the end of round one. He kind of slipped, and uh, I know over the, over Twitter, my guy, uh, what, what's his name, uh, Conor Rebush was saying it wasn't a check left hook, but it was a counter left hook. Yeah, but he, it was it was he was kind of turning away and, and checking it. I don't know. I would call it a check left hook, but I'm probably wrong. But it was one of those. But it was it was like a punch that didn't really land properly, like a straight arm, and it was almost the thumb of the glove that landed on him and put him out. But Knight is. He's such a puncher and just looks so strong and has such a, a heavy base that everything he throws is just powerful. And um, he had such... Con- sometimes you see guys and they have just unbelievable confidence in themselves and you can see it. And sometimes it's too confident. Like someone like a Bobby Green is just like too cocky at times. And even an O'Malley and, and you know... <laughs> but the best fighters also have that as well. So... Uh, I don't know whether William Knight will be one of the best fighters or somebody that is maybe a little bit overlooked, but uh, we, we will see, but this is a very good knockout. Also, I mentioned earlier on the podcast, uh, Brad Katona was fighting. I actually got the results. I didn't even know the card was on uh, tonight, and I would have watched it if it was, but if I did know, so I might go back and watch it. I'm sure it was on you know, Brave or something, but Brad Katona ended up winning that fight by unanimous decision anyway, so very good uh, for, for him. Back to this card, uh, Josie Nunes beat Bia Malecki. <laughs> this was this was a, a bit of a mismatch, to be honest. Bia Malecki got absolutely destroyed. Um, Josie Nunes, is, she just, she looks two divisions lower than Bantamweight. I think she could probably get down to 115, definitely 125. Now, she's very small for that division, but it didn't stand against her in this. Um... You know, a pretty low-level fight, I will be honest. But Nunes just a, a damn sight better than uh, than Malecki. She was landing some nice shots and ended it with a big shot uh, over the top to get the finish at the end of the... Uh, it was the first round, I thought. It, it's just a fight that seemed to go on forever. It wasn't the worst. Worst fight in the world in terms of enjoyment. But uh, in terms of quality, not the best. Brian Keller in another one. Like, this was one, I suppose. It was quality more than enjoyment. Um... Keller took uh, Pilarte down three rounds in a row on top of him for all three rounds. Didn't land too much, but Pilarte landed nothing at all. And, uh, you know, uh, Brian Keller said afterwards, it wasn't the best performance in my career, but I needed the win. And that was that kind of performance. And, you know, every so often fighters need those performances. And that's exactly what he got in that one. Uh, Austin Lingo got the win as well then over uh, Luis Saldana, 29-28, all three rounds. Uh, and, uh, you know, n- nothing much to say about that one. Fantastic fight in Pantoja against Brandon Rival. 
this was just scramble and scramble and scramble and scramble for about six minutes. And then it went six minutes and 46 seconds. For, I'd say the last 46 seconds-ish, Rival just kind of stopped scrambling. Or it wasn't that he stopped scrambling. It was that Pantoja got him to a, sta- a position where they were no longer scrambling. And the second that happened, the fight was over. Like, Pantoja just knew he had him. He knew he'd be able to work on that submission. He knew he'd be able to sink it in. And that's exactly what he did. Um, So it was really, really good uh, from both guys. I thought it was a very, 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 very good fight for as long as it lasted. Um, But once Pantoja got that control, he just won the fight and took it away from him. So he looks like he could be next in line. Brandon Murray... Brandon Moreno was there, as I almost get a fucking cramp. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Moreno was there, uh, and uh, he's obviously they fought before, and Pantoja's won, so that could be one that uh, that happens. Um, after that, then Vince Pichel, Austin Hubbard, unanimous decision for Pichel there, kind of won that fight pretty well. Then uh, Said Yakub Kakramanov. Right, this guy's very good. Came in and took the fight in short notice. His first fight in the UFC. Um, won the first round, won the second round, and all but one of the judges' scorecards. But I thought he did win it. Um, you know, bad commentary from DC again in the second round, saying that, that he wasn't sure. He didn't think the people who said that uh, Kakumurov, uh, Kakmaranov even <laughs> had won the first round were right, and all three judges gave him that. So. Uh, DC talking absolute shit again. Yeah, like honestly, I have the I have the the TV open here in front of me, and it's down to, to zero. And honestly, it's the most I've enjoyed the commentary all fucking night. But um, Kakamura looks very very good, won by a ten finger choke in the end. Or it was kind of, it, it. Do you know what it looked like to me? You know, uh, there might be an Andrew McGahan listening to this or a Paul Brown or something that can tell me. But it looked like, like maybe not, uh, maybe upside. I mean, upside uh, upside down is the right word. An upside down, um. Uh, Ezekiel choke. It, like it looked like he had his forearm under the chin, right? So, at the top of his four of your own forearm under the chin of the your opponent, and then you have like your hand on your bicep, and then your top hand, your right hand will say. So he's left the top of his left forearm under the chin, then the your left hand under your uh, on your bicep, and then your right hand on top of the guy's head pulling it down so it's like i don't know there's probably a name for that but i don't know it's like a reverse ezekiel choke or something like that and that, that's what it looked like to me but there was no there was no other angle of it so maybe if it's on another angle it might be just like a normal dars or normal guillotine well i suppose the dars is what it is but he did he did seem to be like pushing down the hand ra- uh, uh, the arm the right arm on top of the head instead of kind of like just cinching it up with the bicep, which would be a little bit different from the the darts or the anaconda, depending where it went in and out. But um, yeah, you know, you know, already. Uh, what would uh, what would it be called? The, the McKinsey team, I suppose. I suppose that'd be more it, or the the Marcelo team, isn't that what the Jiu-Jitsu lads call it? I don't know. Someone will tell me. Um, then Park Reporter against Che Sherman. Park Reporter won that one. Che Sherman is one of these guys you just know by looking at his face. That he thinks he's losing. Even on the start of this. I don't think he was that badly. But I think he just thought it was going bad for him. Throughout the fight. And then you know it did. And ended up losing. Uh, and then Marco Madsen. Won a split decision against Clay Guida. Literally just after watching that. I don't know. It was one of those fights. There really wasn't much in it. Uh, I'd probably need to go back and watch it again. But um, I don't. I didn't think it was necessarily a standout performance. From either of them. Um, very even fight, and I have much to say about it, to be honest. Uh, so I'll pop back in a second, and I'll talk about the main event. 
So yeah, the main event uh, went about, I suppose, as expected, a close fight over five rounds uh, with Jared Cannonier winning 48-47 on all three judges' cards. Uh, I thought uh, Cannonier won the first round. He came out and he landed the slightly harder shots. Um, the first two rounds are not not a great... Look, a good fight, a good back-and-forth kickboxing match. Um, Gastelum, I thought, won the second in the third, there was that big knockdown, and that's where the fight kind of came alive for a while. Uh, and it was Cannoneer who got that knockdown. Now, that round was still close because Gastelum, I thought, won the rest of the round. He popped back up, but the way fights are scored, it's the most immediately impactful strikes when you're the round. So, when you knock someone down that hard and it isn't a blowout in the rest of the round, you're probably going to win that uh, round. I thought the fourth was a very good round as well for Cannoneer but not a blowout and I would say the same the other way around in the fifth for Gastelum now so I have that 48-47 but the fourth I thought especially was very very close and I see a lot of people thinking the second was close as well but look it was one of those fights where it was just a close fight all the way through at the end of the fourth round uh, Kelvin Gastelum went back to his corner and they told him be careful he's going to come out and try to knock you out because he knows he's behind Cannonier went to his corner and they basically told him the exact same thing. You know, it was one of those ones. You know, if you're a, an open scoring advocate, maybe this is a good fight for you because uh, neither of them seemed to know. But um, yeah, look, I think most people had a 48 47 Cannonier and that's what it turned out to be. So if you're in touch with the scoring criteria, you probably did know what the score was at that stage. And uh, it, look, that's that's the scoring in the fight anyway. The analysation, I suppose, of the fight or the analysis of it. Uh, I was I was actually just talking to my boy you know Neil there, and we were kind of half discussing it. And I think we both kind of agreed that Gastelum maybe didn't switch it up enough. You know, he went for a couple of takedowns, and when he did go for him, every time he went for him, he looked to have Cannonier in a little bit of trouble, but wasn't able to finish it. Now he did kind of pull him down a couple of times, and then land on top for a second, maybe at a, a one or two stages. But like, I, I would say he went. And maybe three takedowns throughout the whole fight. I don't think that was enough for someone like Cannoneer or for someone like Gastelum in a fight like this, where Cannoneer in the past has maybe not struggled badly, but he, uh, you know he can be taken down. And I think if uh, Gastelum, let's say he goes for a takedown, he doesn't get it right. Instead of pushing him against the cage and uh, continuing to try to take him down, you know, Ian was kind of making the point to me that, you know, he'd be better off chain wrestling and try to move around, and that, that would work as well, but I think, I think he would have been better off, you you don't get the initial takedown, or the initial, like, 30 seconds after takedown, pop back out, strike again, and then reinsert yourself again to try to get the takedown, um, I just don't think there was enough of that for him, and that could have been the, the difference between a close fight and a fight where, he doesn't get knocked down and Cannoneer doesn't end up winning that round and he ends up winning it the other way. I, I, I think that was that was like kind of the difference that just Cannoneer wanted to fight on the on the um on the feet and you could see Gaslam Gaslam I think was landing the little bit more maybe technical and, and tasty shots, but Cannoneer was kind of rocking him a lot of the times when he was hitting him and there was a one stage, I think it was in the fourth where Gastelum slipped, but it looked kind of like a knockdown, and there was a couple of incidents like that. Obviously, the knockdown where you know where he you know flatly knocked him down. Not well, flat flatly is a bad word, but he he knocked him down hard. He wasn't flat out or anything like that. But um, it, there was just a lot of those. I think where the kind of 
the impact that Cannoneer had on his shots were easier to score if you're a judge, if you're looking at it, than the ones Gaston landed. And I think if he'd separated himself, say, with taking the fight to the ground and landing maybe four or five elbows on top or landing a few knees to the body or, you know, taking the back and landing a few shots from there, that really could have been the difference between winning and losing. And uh, that didn't, unfortunately, happen for Kelvin Gastelum. But overall, look, a good fight. One, <laughs> you know, they asked Jared Cannonier afterwards. Daniel Carmi asked him, do you want to fight again or do you want to uh, wait for the title shot? Uh, obviously Whitaker is fighting Adesanya it looks like that anyway and uh, Kenanier said well I'm broke so I'm going to have to fight again so uh, <laughs> yeah this fight turned to one that was a main event that could have been the number one contender fight to another fight that really didn't have much jeopardy on it you know so all in all the whole night I suppose there was some the main event was a good quality fight high quality fight I liked it uh, there was some good knockouts, so not a bad car, but it's, what is it, 6.29, and the main event literally, literally just finished. I've been talking here for like the last three minutes. That's crazy. The six-fight six main card starting at 3 a.m. is absolutely fucking crazy, and I'm probably crazy to be sitting here <laughs> watching it, but uh, the UFC need to do something about that. Like, for, If you want to put on six-fight cards, start them at, at 1 a.m., but if you're doing 3 a.m. cards, you have to do four or five I think six is way, way too much. And these three M cards on here, what's the need? Really, what is the need? Like, this is on your ESPN+. Plus. It's on in, in Vegas. It doesn't really make a difference. It's it's cla- it's actually clashing with Manny Pacquiao and clashing with SummerSlam and all of that. Have it a bit earlier, but it would have clashed with SummerSlam anyway. And this is the only time it'll clash with that. But have it a bit earlier and it wouldn't have clashed with Manny Pacquiao. And it would have worked out well for everyone. So, oh, God, I don't know. Anyway, I leave it at that, lads. Uh, patreon.com forward slash severe podcast um, sign up there follow me at Sean Sheehan BA follow Graham and look if you appreciate me set up till half six in the morning you don't want to sign up for Patreon just tweet out the podcast go here's the link here's me look I'm listening to, take a screenshot on your phone here's me listening to iTunes here's me listening to it on Spotify SoundCloud your podcast app wherever it is Give it a tweet out. Tag me at Sean Sheehan Bay, at Severe Mepod, whoever you want to tag. And we will retweet that and we'll spread it around. Because uh, that's always great to get, you know, when people see other people listen to it, they'll be listening to it themselves. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people listen to this podcast every week. But it's to, to get maybe a couple of those thousands and thousands of people to tell another few people. And then we get even more and more and more. But uh, I, I just want to say as well, a really big thanks. And I know Graham, he's not here at the moment, but he would say it as well. Um, last month, obviously, you know, with the McGregor fight and all, it was our biggest month since the, um, since the pandemic started, which is absolutely fantastic, so we really appreciate it, and, uh, this last week's podcast, not this podcast, the one obviously before it, was like one of the biggest numbers we've done in, in that whole time, I don't know if it's people going back to work and, and listening in the car or what, but, um, with no UFC it was very surprising and I really appreciate that you know people are willing to to tune in and listen to us even when there isn't a big card on and stuff like that and um I get a lot of pleasure from that to be honest and, and it's great I don't look at the numbers and stuff too often but I just happened to but someone uh someone was asking me for numbers so I was I was sitting about stuff so I uh I I think uh it was a good time to give out my appreciation for everyone here and uh every single person that listens I really really appreciate it and I know Graham and all the lads do too as well so Right, I'll leave it on that. Shout out to everyone here. God bless. See you all next time.